Park Flyer Podcast, Episode 3, Training Aircraft. Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of the new RC Flyer. Join your hosts, Michael and Jay, as they take flight at the park. Now on with the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Park Flyer Podcast. I'm your host, Jay, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Mike. How's it going, Mike? Hey, everybody, it's Michael, and it's going really good, Jay. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm glad you asked me to do another podcast tonight, considering there was, uh, as, as these folks are probably, uh, probably know who the next president is already, but uh, for us right now, it's just tiring watching the news, so I'm glad I'm doing something fun right now. <laughs> but you did get out and vote today. I did get out and vote. I did my American duty, so uh, I, I I had some fun doing it. Good. Yeah. Hopefully, you're uh, not hopping the fence into Canada again. <laughs> For those folks who uh, were wondering what that comment's about, the polling place uh, is right behind my house, so I I literally jump the fence and and run in and vote and run out and jump the fence again. <laughs> I uh, actually turned in an early bout, so I didn't. I didn't have to uh, jump any fences. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's that's nice. Well, it it seems that in my family uh, we cancel each other's vote out. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll save that for another podcast, I guess. But uh, I guess tonight we're talking about uh, trainers, uh, some of the types of trainers that uh, that are out there, and uh, what do you have in mind? Well, before we start talking about trainers, let's talk about the types of foam they're made out of. I, I know in some of our earlier broadcasts, we were, we've been throwing acronyms around and talking about different types of foam. So I thought tonight before we start, we'd, I'd explain what these foams are. Starting off the types of foam there are, uh, you probably heard of uh, the term EPO. Um, it's uh, very common now. Most aircraft are made out of EPO. And EPO stands for Expanded Polyolefin uh, Foam. Uh, it's similar to styrofoam, except that it's more flexible and it's more dense. Um, and one of the reasons they like to use it is it's great for molding and getting details out of your mold. Kind of a tongue twister, though. <laughs> They're all tongue twisters, just like the glues. <laughs> yes. Um, next up, we have uh, what's commonly known as styrofoam or EPS, and that stands for Expanded Polystyrene. Beer cooler. Beer cooler, exactly. Um, the uh, characteristics of this foam is that it's brittle, um, and it's kind of hard to glue back together after you crash. Can you can you even glue it back together? I, th- I don't think we. I don't think if you, you can, have can. all the pieces, <laughs> well, that's that's <laughs> if a, they haven't blown away. Right. Yeah. Well, that's a difficult in its own own right. Uh, one of the one of the great things about it is it's very very light. It's one of the lightest foams out there. And that's one of the reasons why when the electric revolution happened uh, about a decade ago, that's why all the planes were made out of this stuff. And then next we have uh, our favorite, EPP, which stands for Expanded Polypropylene. One of the characteristics of this type of foam is that it's harder to mold with detail. It's very durable, but on the other hand, it's also very floppy and it needs reinfor- reinforcement like carbon rods, fiberglass, something to keep it stiff. But it's bouncy. 
It's very bouncy, 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 bouncy. But it's also heavier. It's one of the heaviest foams that's out there, you know, per weight or pound. Uh, that's not the right uh, terminology. What I mean by pounds is that when you buy foam blocks or foam sheets, they'll give you a density rating. It'll be something like 1.5 or 2.4. And, and it goes a little bit for the thickness and how dense it is per square meter of the foam. And EPP tops the list as for being the densest for per square inch area. I top I, I top the the uh, the list for being dense as well. So that's my <laughs> wife. <laughs> I know. Next up is uh, you might have heard this too. Uh, it's more it's used more for it's also a polystyrene like uh, styrofoam. Uh, it's a closed foam. Closed cell foam, and one of the reasons people like to use it is extremely light, and so it's one of the lightest foams that could be used. But there's a problem. It's brittle. It's very brittle, and it's also imported from Europe. And the Europeans and they love Mother Earth, and so they decided it's deadly or not good for the environment, or you shouldn't put it on children's ice cream or something. So they're banning it, and they stopped all production. But of course. So now I can't get Depron anymore. You cannot get Depron. And just people who are hoarding away in their basement. Well, and that's a shame too because Depron is very uh, stiff. And if you just put two pieces together, you can actually cut a piece at a 45 and use it as a stiffener. It works really, really well. And you don't really yes. gain any, any weight. Yes, absolutely. So, Mike, what uh, types of, you know, we're talking about trainers. What types of things do you look for in a trainer or when you, when you go to recommend these things to beginners or guys you meet at the field? Uh, you know, the big thing is stability. I, I too do like the high wing because they have a dihedral on them. And as they're flying around, they have a tendency to be a little bit more stable. With a high wing, you don't need the ailerons as much. So you can actually set it up like a rudder elevator then you can add ailerons later. Some kits come with the ailerons pre-hinged and pre-cut. Some of them come with uh, outlines that you can fly as a three-channel, and then when you get better, you can cut them and make them a four-channel. One of the uh, a good airplane to to fly first is a Fun Cub from Multiplex. Multiplex has uh, their own type of foam. It's a closed cell. It's called a Elapor foam. And it's very uh, dense, but very lightweight as well. The Fun Cub is great. It's a larger size, probably 48 inches, maybe 42 inches. Um, I think so. And, it, and it's very stable. I, I had a great time uh, flying yours, actually. Uh, it flies on both uh, wheels and on floats. So that was uh, a really good trainer. It's very stable. It slows down. I like it. Something that will fly slow because the slower it goes the more you can control it. You're, you're not jamming the sticks left and right and try to, you know, you're going Mach 5 with your hair on fire and trying to understand what's going on. You can actually let go of the sticks. The airplane stays uh, kind of stable. You know, you get, you get comfortable flying it. Well, you brought up a good you brought up a good point and talking about guys with their hair on fire. How many guys have you sought your club when you first got there Basically flew two ways or two speeds off and full throttle. <laughs> yeah, true. 
And this is a bad thing because as you figured out, as I always tell my guys up here is that why do you have it full throttle? You're just going to get to the ground quicker. It's not a race. That's correct. So one of the other things I noticed with beginners when they first get out there and they're like, they're wowing and they're oozing at all the planes they see flying is, is that they are drawn to jets and anything that looks like it goes a hundred miles an hour. And the problem with that is, is that they'll go to the store and they'll say, Hey, I want that plane that looks like it can go a hundred miles an hour. And the guy behind the counter is like, all right, dude, I'll get it for you. <laughs> and, they'll, and they'll hand them the box and take their money and let them go. And their first flight, you know, lasts maybe with the launch, 15 seconds. Or less. Or very less. Yeah, I got another uh, another airplane as well as the Motion RC. Uh, there's an FMS, the FMS trainer. It's an easy trainer. It's like $99. You don't need anything. It's very inexpensive easy. to get in. Easy trainer from Motion RC. So what what does it come with? Any uh, does it come with everything that the guys will need? Batteries, the, the the radio, or is that just the plane? No, it comes with everything. You don't need anything. You open the box, put it together, and you're off to the field. And that's what I love about RC today, as opposed to when you and I got you know started in this. <laughs> Wait, the building part, you mean? Well. You know, that's a choice whether you want to build or not. I mean, back when we started, there were no true ARFs or ready-to-fly or RTFs that there are today. You had to do some sort of building. And before us, the guys who started out with having to whittle a tree down and then, you know, get canvas and spread it dope over the top of their plane to fly, (laughs) this is like a modern miracle. It is a modern miracle because for $99 plus tax, you can, uh, or, or shipping, I guess, you can have it shipped to your door and you plug the battery in for 20 minutes and you're off to the races. That's amazing. I mean, it truly is. That reminds me of another trainer that I that I like. Uh, one of them is called the, uh, the Ares Decathlon 350. The nice part about this plane is very similar to your, your one for $99. I think this one's like 105, 110. Same thing, but it also has a type of um, assistance with it, a little bit of an autopilot. It's not overly complicated one. I mean, it's not going to take over and fly your plane by itself or you put in waypoints or nothing, but it, it does have some sort of stabilization or a save mode on it. And I just think it's amazing that for, like you said, 100 bucks, you can have an aircraft that kind of flies itself kind of helps the beginner rank beginner by himself out in the middle of the woods kind of fly. I, I think it's just amazing. I will say it's a little tough to fly in the woods. So don't try that. Fly in the open <laughs> field. Remember I, I live in Alaska. I, I got to hack down all the trees to, in order to fly. It's like an obstacle course for you. I just walk out. I have to get a little bit higher than the cactus. You have to like chop down half a, a forest to get to fly, someplace to fly. Exactly. Fortunately, <laughs> um, there's two other planes that are uh, that are on my list that I like that are sort of like these two. Uh, another one is the Hobby Zone Sports Cub uh, made by Horizon. Once again, it has uh, something called Safe Mode, and it's their autopilot, as you were. Uh, it has three different modes: beginner, intermediate, and uh, expert. And it, that just means that they turn down the gain or how much the autopilot controls the plane you know how much bank you can go into 
that sort of thing. So just to be clear, it's not really technically an autopilot. It's not flying the airplane for you. It's an auto corrector. In other flight words, stabilization. Yeah, it's. Is it a? Are we talking about the flight stabilization, or does it actually have an auto, like an auto leveler? I well, that's why I think of it more of a flight stabilization, meaning depending on what mode you have it clicked in, I like like this one I was just talking about. It won't let you go over like thirty degrees of bank. Oh, I guess it you. keeps the plane within the thirty degrees of blank. It won't let you crank it over any more than that. Or if you not to say that that's a challenge, because I know some people will be out there. I'll do it, but uh, it's there to help you if you're flying slowly and semi under control. It'll keep you out of trouble. Yeah, so it's not a limitation; it's a goal. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, that, there's another one on my list called the Easy Star, and it's also by Multiplex. It's an Alap or a oh. foam one. Uh, this one's a little different. It's a pusher. It has the motor in the back. Uh, it's got good dihedral on the wings. They're, um, you know, kind of big and round and fat. And with it being a pusher, you don't have to worry about breaking props. Uh, I think in the last uh, podcast, we, we heard Tom talking about uh, breaking props. Every time he went out and flew, he busted one on pretty much every flight. This one actually has one that sits above the fuselage. You can fly it. It's very stable. Uh, it has a tendency to, you know, be more towards a glider than an actual power airplane. So you can toss it without the motor on and it'll still fly. It just kind of glides down to the ground. But it's a very tough airplane. Uh, I've flown them and uh, they're great trainers for someone that's just learning. You can do the, the rudder and elevator and motor that's a three channel and then i think that there's an option for aileron so you can make it a four channel yeah i think you're right and in fact that's actually a classic that was a few years ago everybody was getting those it's very famous and uh in fact hobby king has a knockoff of that it's called the bixler same type of plane epo made pretty much all the characteristics of that plane is in is in the bixler Except that the Bixler has, uh, there's like two or three different versions of it. Uh, one with flaps, if you can believe it, as slow as that plane flies, it actually has flaps, which makes it go backwards, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I've flown that plane. A couple of guys have them up here, and I, I, it's really enjoyable. It's a fun plane. And later, as you get more experience, it's a great platform for flying for first-person view or FPV. Yeah, that's true. And if there's a pretty good wind, it flies very well into the wind. Because it has got glider characteristics to it. So you can oh, get, absolutely. get it up into that. I think we've flown them off the, the cliffs out there in, in Alaska where you throw them off and just kind of ride the wind. They call it wedge, uh, ridge sailing. Soaring. Soaring, yeah. And uh, it, it is fun to fly. I, I know several guys here that have uh, similar... Airplanes like that that do use them for FPV. They're very stable. They fly wings level all the time, and uh, it's it's a good trainer. It is. It is. I really enjoy it. And like and like Mike said, you can even use it as a glider. And I've taken out my um, Phoenix 2000, which is a bona fide glider, and I had a buddy up here bring out his well his Bixler, and he was able to glide just as much as I was. It was really remarkable. Yeah, it's a good platform. I, I, I enjoy it. I like it. Oh, what other uh, EPP uh, planes were you able to find? You know, my favorite EPP uh, beginner airplane is called a Slow Fly 28. 
it's actually not made by any company, but uh, there was a guy that designed it. Uh, there's, I don't think he does it anymore, but I think the plans are still on the internet. I think if you go to uh, sdparkflyer.com, you can you can look at the um, at the plans. I think the test flight guys have uh, some plans on their website too. But it's a great airplane. It it is very lightweight. It's made out of EPP. It takes a, a really small, like 1300 motor, nine inch prop that you can make it, uh, it, it is a four channel. So it has ailerons, it has rudder and elevator. It uses about a 400, 450 battery. You'd probably get away with a 350 to 452 cell. Uh, it's very lightweight and uh, it's it flies very, very slow. And it only takes maybe an hour to build. Yeah, yeah, I think you can build one in 15 minutes. <laughs> I think I proved that last time I was up there, <laughs> or at least That's true. one of the times I was up there. Well, uh, if, for, for our listeners, if you're wondering what happened, uh, Mike was up here visiting me, and we had the plans for this particular plane, and we went out and we decided to build them. And I'm, I get a little anal about building planes, so I'm perfectly measuring things and drawing them out and mike's over there with a crayon and he's just cutting it out with scissors and he had his built in like 15 minutes and i'm like oh that crazy guy he's not taking his time and doing his due diligence and i get mine done in about an hour and you know what they flew the same <laughs> exactly the same perfectly we crashed them a bunch we had a hoot of fun flying those things to pieces that was a good time. That was really a good time. Well, you do you do realize after all these years that uh, I I do have an aviation background, so a little bit of that goes really? a long way. <laughs> a little bit of it that goes a long way. So you brought up a good point. The reason we were talking about these particular trainers is the fact that people can go to the store, buy parts, buy replacement parts, repair their plane, and be back flying again. And the nice part about the sport now, if you don't want to build or you have no interest in building, you can still fly planes, but it's going to cost you a little bit more money. People who are a little bit more frugal or they like to build, the nice part about this sport is you can still do that. You can still buy one of these kits and repair it itself. If a wing cracks in half, as we talked about in I think our glue episode, you can grab some Gorilla Glue, a little water, a little tape, wait 15 minutes, and you can be back up flying again. The other thing, like the Slow 28, as Mike was saying, there's a few websites to go to. I recommend RC Groups. There's a whole section that talks about plane plans. The nice part about it is the plans are all in there. It's a whole thread where guys talk about problems or things they've run into or fixes or improvements to the planes. And you can build a plane and have something really nice that you can build for very little money. I can't, I can't recommend RC groups enough. It's a great thread. It's a great place for information that people should go to. I use it quite a bit actually, because the, um, there is a lot of good information on there. They have a classified section. So sometimes if you're looking to get into the hobby fairly cheaply or find a good trainer, you can go on there in the classified section and actually pull up something that maybe someone uh, is selling or a radio or battery. But once again, for $99, 
you know, the motion RC thing, you got everything in there that you need. The, uh, the radio, I think, comes with it. Everything. So it's very inexpensive. Well, when I came down there to visit you and I got you into this, like, the sickness, and I think we, you, we got a, a glider down there, I, I don't remember much coming with that kit. I don't think anything came with the kit. I think it was the glider, and um, I think I actually bought a radio. Or maybe it, did. it came with a three-channel a three channel radio. I have to say that when we got that particular plane, like you said, it didn't come with much. And then I remember we were trying to assemble that aircraft, put it together, struggling and getting all the parts and pieces together. Weren't sure we had everything great together. The radio that we had wasn't very good. And then we went and launched it and flew it. And it was exciting. <laughs> it was very exciting. Yeah, the the radio, I think, if I remember correctly, was a three-channel, and uh, the wings bolted on. The problem with that glider was that it was, like, super fast. It, we thought it was going to be a normal glider, but it actually wound up being, like, a hotliner, which is a little bit quicker. Uh, it was a three-channel, and it was... It was interesting to learn because at that point we didn't really have a buddy box. It was a hand the receiver to me. Right, right. <laughs> hey, here you go. I got it all trimmed potato. up. And then it was like, oh, something's not happening. And and I hand it back to you and we kind of went back and forth. But uh, I, I remember just the, you know, the, the airplane flew a lot faster than what I suspected a glider would, you know, would actually be like. Matter of fact, I think we wound up putting in the ladies either on the lady's roof. I think it landed in the water. Uh, we had we had a lot of trouble with that glider, and I don't even remember who makes it. But the good news is that they sell parts. That's the best part about all of these um, trainers that we're talking about. The companies will actually provide fuselage, wings, tail sections, motors, ESCs. Uh, you can buy all that stuff if you did have a mishap and hit the ground or or you know ding a wing. You could actually buy just that part park zone's really good at that e-flight's really good at that they you know you can go to the local hobby store uh, hobby store and they usually have a whole wall of just parts yeah and that's really nice that you can run down to the local hobby stores and get stuff like that i i'll say that i do maybe 90 to 95 percent of my purchases online it's because i'm here in alaska but other is that to me the hobby stores are a little too high like where you live and there's maybe about five hobby stores there. It's just really convenient to just drive down to the store, pick up a prop, pick up the supplies you need or the parts you need. It's really nice. Yeah, that's true. I, I think we're down to just a handful of uh, hobby, hobby stores, but it is convenient. Uh, I will tell you though, that the online shopping has, has gotten kind of better these days you can get your product in just a couple of days as opposed to having to wait weeks or months coming from china it's on the boat i used to order things and then uh you know order it and then you know if i needed it a month later so i'd order it knowing that i was going to go out and get something so that by the time i got my kit all the other parts would be here now that i think about it now i'm remembering that when we first started in this we're ordering from hobby king which is our favorite place to order from i would have to think about what I was going to fly in the spring or like you said, a month out. So if it would be like December or 
February, I'd be like, okay, in March, I'll start flying and I'll, and I'll be flying this particular plane. So I need these parts. I'll order them now. And if they take a month or two, they should arrive by the time I will start flying this plane. Yeah. If you, if you think back, it wasn't even Hobby King back then. I think it was Hobby City. Hobby City. Yeah. Yeah. And we ordered, there wasn't any warehouses anywhere other than China. Yeah, but shipping was very, very cheap. It wasn't expensive, that's for sure. But look at them now. They they grew uh, leaps and bounds. They've got uh, warehouses all over. Uh, they're they're one of the places. Value Hobbies, another one. Bang Goods Hobbies. Most of that stuff's coming from China. Has been really cheap. And unfortunately, we have uh, Hacker uh, was a German company, and they they had an office here in Phoenix. Uh, and the guys actually wound up shutting the whole office down. They just couldn't compete with all of the the internet traffic people buying you know less expensive chinese well motors. that's the good and bad of our hobby right you some people when you're a beginner you don't want to spend what you would have to spend to buy a hacker motor but on the flip side the more experience and the better models you get you start spending more money for them you don't want to buy a cheap chinese knockoff you want to buy a hacker and then all of a sudden there's nowhere to buy one uh, that's true. Yeah. So you have to, to go with a different, um, different option, but I agree. The first, uh, hobby city motors I was buying were like $5 blue wonder motors. I think they called them. And that's what I would put on those foam board airplanes that I've talked about in the past. And they worked really well, but I had a bucket load of them. I mean, <laughs> I, I burned up more of those, more of those $5 motors. And, you know, I probably bought $80 worth, which was a hacker motor to begin with. But, you know, I don't know. It, uh, I, I couldn't have afforded to buy $80 motors at the same rate uh, that I was buying the $5 no. ones. And, it, and no. it helped me. So, I mean, these days, you know, I have a Scorpion motor or hacker motors. And, of course, they're on my thousands of dollar airplanes, not my trainers. Right. Well, you just made me think of something else. Uh, we were talking about you can buy your planes, but what if you want to build your planes? And that's how we started out, building your planes. And once again, we did it on the cheap, and it was kind of fun, and we raided a lot of our wives' you know, closets for <laughs> their craft stuff. Took their tape, their glitter, uh, their glues, hot glue guns, etc. And They didn't like us very, we, they didn't like us very well. No. They? And we had a blast. I was, I would make a plane. I'd get, a, I'd get some plans and I'd go down to Kinko's. I'd blow them up full size. Um, I used this stuff called blue core foam and it was a uh, fan fold foam from Costco, not Costco, um, Lowe's, Lowe's. Uh, and it was like, oh, it was a site. It was for siding for a house under, under, you know, it goes underneath the, well, you know what? Mike, what, what's the stuff? Uh, it's a vapor barrier. Obviously, I'm not a builder. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a vapor barrier. It was 50 feet of it for 30 bucks. I still have some. Those, those fan folds lasted a long time. I get the plans. I would sit down, have my favorite adult beverage, and I'd cut out five planes during the evening watching TV, um, throw them in the clo closet like Schroeder from Peanuts, I would slap on some cheap nine gram servos, $3 servos, a blue wonder motor, go fly, 
crash, come home, tape it all up, go fly, crash, tape it all up, go fly, crash, come back. I uh, can't tape this one back up, go into the closet, rip off the uh, servos off the old one, slap them on the new one, go fly. It was great. The benefit of that was I was to get, able to get a lot of stick time. And in this hobby, the more you fly and the opportunities you have to fly, the better you get. I, I don't disagree with that. I, I I carried around packing tape, and if the nose fell off, I just packed. I just used packing tape and and put it back on. A lot of times, I would just carve out noses because I would ding it into the nose. I would just cut the nose clean off, put a little CA glue, stick the two noses together, and go out and fly it again. It was always funny because I had some monstrosities of uh, aircraft. They looked very Frankensteinish. I think that's part of the reason <laughs> that uh, when I came visited, I was able to cut you know mine out and just with scissors and make it look halfway decent. But I mean, it didn't look bad. The one that I built when I was up with you, but I, I just knew that the airplane would fly. It was so lightweight. Uh, even though if it flew crooked, it was okay because I knew I was going to crash it again, and it, it just didn't bother me at that point. But that was the fun of it. It was. It was very fun. And, the, you know, I didn't really have to use a lot of glue. The double stick tape, peel one of those off, stick it on the blue core foam, and then you stick the servo on top of that, and it would stick. It wasn't, you know, a lot of torque on there, so it only had to move a little bitty piece, and it worked out really well. So I definitely had double stick tape. I had uh, CA glue, and I had a couple of probably – $5 motors or $5 batteries. I think I had $30 into the whole model, including all of the electronics and the battery. Right. And you just had to rip that stuff off and stick it on a new frame. Yeah. Because, uh, the, believe it or not, the double stick tape would actually pop right off the foam. Sometimes when I crashed, it would pop off. So I'd have to peel it off the plastic servo and just put a new piece of tape on there and stick it right on there. The other thing that made it very easy to do is to set up because I, <laughs> Believe it or not, I use paper clips for my <laughs> my rods. <laughs> when I first got started, I just yeah, I was laughing when you said you were raiding your you know your wife's uh, arts and crafts room because I, I would go in there and just grab a bunch of paper clips, open them up, cut them to the right length, stick them in the you know the keepers there on the make a uh, like a ninety degree turn on the paper clip and stick it through the servo, and then I, I bought those uh, the little keepers that you run the rod through and what do you call those things right and they um can't think of what they called Ser servo connectors uh not the servo connectors the one that goes on the control horn that has the hole that and the screw uh servo connectors yeah they may be <laughs> servo connectors i'll have to look up the name but uh you know i'd put the paper clip through there and then i would lift up the <laughs> the servo and level the ailerons or flapperons, whatever I had at the time. And then I would peel the, the, the double back tape and make sure that everything was centered and then stick it down on the model. And once it's stuck, if I had to redo it, I just popped it off and peeled the new piece of tape, stuck it on there and back, back in business. It was a very great opportunity to, you know, keep all that good stuff with you at the field. And then I could fly around and if it broke off or something happened, I just stick a new one on there. It was it was very very fun. It was a good learning experience and a good building experience for me. The part I liked about it was when I finally got to be you know intermediate flyer, I would let people just fly whatever plane I was flying. And I had a good friend of mine come out, 
I let him fly this plane and, and he crashed it. And he's like, oh, no, I crashed your plane. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, OK, come over here and pick up as many pieces you can find. <laughs> and we, we got about 95 percent of the, the pieces and laid them out and glued them all back on tape. And and uh, he's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I'm like, who cares? That that's half the fun of it is, is crashing it. And it was kind of windy. The wind had come up. And in fact, it started gusting and we kept launching and flying the plane. And then we were trying to fly the plane to make it stay still, you know, just hover it. And uh, we'd crash and crash and the motor was kind of falling off. It was the best fun because we flew that plane to destruction. (laughs) It was it fell apart fully. And it was kind of like playing uh, with like Django where you're pulling the pieces out. It was who could fly the plane in the worst condition and still fly it, you know, till it crashed. And it was like then the next guy would be able to get the, the controls and try to fly it with like, you know, an aileron hanging off. It was a hoot. It was a hoot. Sounded like a really good time. It was. So Linkage Stopper is the name of that. Linkage Stopper. That's it. Right. I'm not Servo Connector? No, not <laughs> Servo Connector. So uh, I, I had uh, – our buddy Mike that came up here to visit me, he, uh, he and I built the little slow fly 28 and we went out literally in my front yard and we were flying around. He was trying to learn how to 3d and hover. And, uh, the good news about those type airplanes is that they're so lightweight that all it takes is to move the battery backwards to get it a little bit tail heavy. And the airplane will actually fly in a high alpha, which means the nose is in the air and you can actually kind of get used to, having this nose really high in the air. And if you chop the throttle, uh, it just kind of glides down to the ground. And I think he was pretty surprised because when you, when you're practicing 3d, you're in the vertical position. And if something happens, the airplane wants to kind of fall out of the sky. It goes through a stall. The wings no longer, you know, are, are providing lift. And as a result, the nose points towards the ground. And if you're low enough, it'll just hit the ground or the tail. It'll fall out of the sky. And it, of course with him flying it, it kind of got dinged up once or twice and he was ready to stop. And I would always pick it up and say, hmm, nah, it'll fly and throw it right back in the air. So the thing would fly a little crooked, but it was still flying. And we weren't, <laughs> we weren't worried too much about, you know, since we're training, I wasn't really worried about tearing it up. I mean, the, the blue core foam was only a dollar. So for that sheet. And uh, I still have, you know, a whole garage full of that stuff. Cause I bought a bunch way back when you know, it was becoming harder to find. And uh, I'm like you. Every time I got a new model, I would uh, lay it out on the blue core, trace it out, and then that way I would have that model in blue core as well as, um, you know, in the foam, the Depron or whatever. It would Ooh, that's pretty smart. Yeah. Actually, I, th- I think there's three or four folds of it laying out there that still have airplanes drawn on them. I just haven't ever cut them out. Well, like you said, I love – I have a soft spot in my heart for blue core. I love blue core. I still have it. I have a whole box. Well, unfortunately, well, unfortunately, like Depron, blue core has gone the way of the dodo. Well, that's true, but you can't. You can get some. You still can get some of the blue foam. I think it's it's not blue anymore though. I think it's um, pink. But they do, and it's right, corningware. Corningware foam. It comes in a way bigger sheet. It's not the fan fold stuff, and it is a little bit thicker. I think it's a full inch. But you could actually build something out of that, uh, and still have it way less than if you were to use some other building material. Now, you know what really amazed me was I think the last 
electric festival that I came down for, some of the big aircraft that people built out of that Corningware stuff. I'm talking hundred inch wingspan stuff. It, huge planes. Yeah, they were out of huge. Just blue core or the Corningware. It was amazing. Yeah, it doesn't weigh very much. I mean, that big old sheet only weighs a couple of ounces. Well, I, I'm truly amazed what some people are able to make out of that stuff. That's what the imagination's for. And RC, and RC groups, because you can go out there and, uh, and look at all the plans. Yeah, I highly recommend, if you get a chance, folks, go to RC groups and look around, become a member, get on that, that particular website. It's a wealth, a plethora of information. It saved my butt, I don't know how many times, or talking to the people who are on there who have experience in something, it's a lifesaver. Yeah, and if you're looking at buying an airplane, there's usually either a build thread or reviews. Somebody on there has has already gone through all of the woes that you were about to go through building this plane, and it's easier to go through and, and figure it out. I mean, every time you and I look at buying a new airplane, we probably spend a good two or three days on RC groups looking around to see what we can find about the mods, what kind of mods were done, if you can mod it, you know, what, what the best, you know, procedure is for for doing the modifications um that's where we found out that's where we found out that uh, um one of my models that that the gear was falling off we found it on an rc group so when i got the model oh, I I, my one of my christmas gifts yeah the Av- avos avios how do you say that avos i think yeah avos yeah it was the um what is it sitting right here it's the uh seahawk sea uh sea fury yeah the sea fury yeah and the land, it had landing gear on it, and the landing gear was one of the weak parts, and it said that it uh, it came off. There was an article on RC groups that actually had a guy that said, yeah, I touched down, and the gear folded up because it uh, you know, wasn't glued in very well. So when I got my model and was putting it together, I reached over there and wiggled the gear, and boom, came right off of my hand. Well, you can't blame the little, small little Chinese children who assemble those planes <laughs> to get glue into every nick and you know, cranny, come on. Their, their fingers are really stiff and, you know, uh, they're cramping up. I don't know. It happens. I, you know, as much money as I spent over there, I think I have a couple of small villages named after me. <laughs> Moonsville. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and a couple of schools maybe too. I don't know. I have uh, pumped a lot of money into this sport. That's for sure. Well, you you remind me of something, Mike. Um, one thing I'd like to get across to our listeners is – one of the reasons why we do this podcast is so we can pass on some of our knowledge to you so that you can enjoy the hobby that much more. You can get out there and enjoy it without having to make the mistakes that we've made by listening to us or listening to our hints or tips could help you. And I really want you to go out there and use something like RC groups, go through there. You can talk to people. They have made the mistake before you've made it or have had the problem before you've had it, it's great. It'll save you so much time and you get to meet new people, new places. And with all the different festivals happening at different places, you can end up meeting these folks and making great friendships. Yeah. We're, so we're not, uh, get out there and do we're it. We're not suggesting that you uh, not go out and make these mistakes. Feel free to make all the mistakes you want. We're, we're just trying <laughs> to help you not make them. If you well, make new you, mistakes. Yeah. Or, or the same ones. We're just telling you an easier way to, you know, try not to make those mistakes. 
Well, <laughs> that reminds me of just, uh, you know, you, you, you always have that guy, the guy who doesn't listen or the guy who he's, you can see where he's going with what he's doing, whether he bought that plane that goes hundred miles an hour, but he has no experience or he has his aileron linkage backwards, or you, you can blatantly see there's something wrong. Like the repellers on backwards and you go over to him and you go, Hey buddy, I think your buddy, your propellers on backwards. Oh, no, it's not. Or, you know, just kind of kills me with, with, you know, some guys like that. I'm sure you've met a few of them during your career as well. No, I haven't met anybody like that. <laughs> just a bunch of snobs up here in Alaska. Don't want to listen to each other. huh? <laughs> I, I get you. Oh my gosh. I think I was that guy. No, no, no. You, I mean, you're arrogant in other ways, but not, not that way. <laughs> yes. I am arrogant in other ways. Don't talk to me. But other than that, I mean, you're almost a good guy. Could be. I need to try a little harder. I should be a good guy. Well, what I love about you most is that whatever I could think of, as long as I bring it down, show you, then you go off and do it. I love it. <laughs> Wait, how, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I could well, get me I in came down, now. you showed you my RC stuff, and the next thing you know, you got some. Um, I ran into the office one time, said, who wants to go to Atlanta? Who's the guy to say, yeah, I'll go with you. Uh, see? That's yeah. true. There you go. I do have a tendency to go all out. You know, yes. like if I find something I really like. You're enthusical. Uh, it's a what? You're enthusical. Enthusical? I, th- I think that that's the proper English. I think, I don't know. I, if not, I just made it up. Oh, well, that's okay. Well, we'll put it in the Webster's Dictionary. <laughs> but uh, I no, I if I see something I like and I get interested in something. Impressionable? Impressionable is a good one, too. If I see something that I like and I latch onto it, I usually go out 120%. So this was true with this, this hobby as well. Uh, you brought, you know, you came down, brought your little, little um, briefcase full of whatever that aircraft you had in there. That was neat. You, you just carried it around in a briefcase. Yeah. I had a little micro. Yeah. A little micro. And then we flew it in the green belt next to my house. And I was like, Oh, I got to go to the hobby store and get one of those. And next thing you know, I've got an, untold amounts of uh airplanes coming to the house at any one given time <laughs> i think i pretty much have an airplane in every room the garage probably places i didn't even realize i'd had hang or uh, i had uh airplanes stuffed in closets and the funny thing the funny thing about you is you've pretty much stoked step to uh stay to the uh, similar type of plane you like 3d planes um world war ii planes and pretty much that's it you haven't got into fpv stuff or night flying or any of that kind of stuff which is kind of amazing yeah i don't know why i mean uh, i like i have a few edfs i i enjoy the edfs because uh, oh those two you know i obviously fly for a living as well so i have experience flying jets um with that being said the first time i ever flew on floats was actually up there with you and i really liked that that was super uh interesting Especially when you let me fly the first airplane and you said, uh, fly this one because you can't flip it. You can't bury it. <laughs> and then yeah, that five wasn't minutes, a dare. <laughs> that was not a dare. Five minutes on the controls and I had that thing sunk. <laughs> that was pretty funny. 
I was amazed. I really was amazed. I was amazed. And then I wound up crashing it anyway, so that was terrible. But the the fun cub flying around on floats, it took me about five minutes to figure that out. And then I was just having a blast. It was so much fun. And that was really my first time. After all these years of flying uh, RC, uh, that was the first time I've actually flown floats. Now, I got to come back up there and fly on skis. That would be awesome, too. I, I haven't had the chance to do That's that That's fun. Either. It's a lot of fun. And, and what I like about it is, well, what I like about, you know, when you have either like a trainer plank, these, you could put floats on them, you could put skis on them. Just by doing that, it changes the characters, characterization of the aircraft just enough to make it interesting and new again. And open up a whole new realm to that particular plane. You know, so that's it's amazing that that can happen. That is amazing. And, and your fun cub uh, was set up for night flying as well. It was the first time I ever did night flying. Was yes, there with the uh, fun cub as well. And that was a whole new experience. Yeah. That's right. We were flying about uh, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. Uh, I think we flew more like one o'clock, <laughs> one to two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I don't know. We, we were flying all day. Yeah. I don't really remember what time we knocked it off because the lights were cool and, and uh, it was kind of neat to, to see the LED lights in there. Probably a whole nother podcast on night flying, but uh, we we definitely touched a few areas that I had not been a part of um, in my many years of flying RC. And once again, that's what I love about RC stuff. Whether you like to fly planes, helicopters, boats, motorcycles... You know, FPV is now the new rage, um, and there's different aspects of that. There's something there for everyone, whether you want to fly low and slow, whether you want to fly super fast, whether you just want to laze around. Flying gliders, to me, is amazing because it's a little bit of an art form. The flying is the same, but detecting a thermal and then riding a thermal up there's there's a little something to that. You know, you have to learn that and see what the birds are doing. It's amazing. And when it happens, oh, I just love it. That's true. I, I um, That was fun. I came up there and reset your both of your, you and Mike's gliders up to uh, to be full full house gliders. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. Huge difference. It does. So that's a it big does. thing down here. We actually, uh, I actually have several gliders. I, I have one that's a... Uh, hotliner sitting here that needs to be maidened actually <laughs> i need to finish putting it together yes you do it's all uh fiberglass i uh i've got a majority built probably about 97 percent built and there's uh issue with getting the right size servo and the control horn in to where it's actually moving the live hinge so i have to figure that out still i just haven't had a chance to do it I'm a busy guy. Why don't you explain? Why don't you explain to our listeners just why that's such a difficulty? Well, the the wing is is very very thin because it's a hotliner. It's got a very super thin wing. It is 100% fiberglass with wood um, ribs on the inside of the fiberglass, and so the little square where the where the servo goes is very small. So you have to get a flat servo one of the they call it a flat wing servo but it actually sits sideways uh, and has the mounts mounting 90 degrees to the servo 
The problem is you can't mount it directly to the wing because the wing's very thin and you can't just screw it down into the wing uh, like you can on some of the other airplanes. You can epoxy it in the right place. But then the hole that comes out with the servo linkage to attach to the actual aileron and flap is very is very small. And so you have to get that lined up perfectly because it's a live hinge. And if you're not sure what a live hinge is, they take the fiberglass piece and they they make it all one piece. So the fiberglass is actually bending uh, on the top part and then there's nothing on the bottom. So it uh, it's all part of the, the upper wing. It all looks like one piece and then it flexes uh, up and down and the, the fiberglass is, is what is being used as the hinge. They don't have hinge pins like you would normally see on, on normal airplanes. Uh, but it allows so, for... So you'd say that the you'd say that the tolerances on this plane are very tight? Uh, <laughs> they are extremely tight. And the problem is, is that you have to epoxy this in uh, because it's not... You can't use any other type of glue. Uh, you have to have something that will actually sit and, and you know, epoxy is the, the best way to do it because it's, it's fiberglass. So I'm... I can't just use Gorilla Glue or CA Glue or whatever um, because it's not going to stay to the fiberglass. I have to use something that's a 30-minute epoxy. So you can't have the pieces moving around. So I have to find the, the right size piece. And I've ordered a couple of different, you know, little pieces to sit down in there for the servo. And, and I think I finally found the right one. All the other ones I ordered were too big, but this one's just right. And then I have to adjust the control horn to be just the right height to where when it goes forward and backward, it doesn't scrape uh, the inside of the, of the hinge line and cause wear. Kind of a, it's an, it's, this one is more of an exact science than me just whacking out some foam with a pair of scissors. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, you know, it's a $500, a glider as well without without all the parts true so being full fully fiberglass so let's get back to tr- talking to trainers here um anything else you can think for some characteristics for trainers that people should look for or a beginning first second airplane um you know the another airplane i just thought about was the hobby zone sensei it's um it's a pretty good trainer as well it's a high high wing trainer and I think it has one of those systems in it that's a self-leveling. If you get into trouble and you let go of everything, it kind of levels itself and, you know, rights itself. Those are okay, but I think you can do just as easy if you found something that's slow. But most of the airplanes we've talked about, I, I would suggest those. Building a, an airplane out of foam is, is a great way to do it, too. It's, it's very inexpensive. There's some great plans on RC groups. There's some great plans on the, on the um, Internet for uh, EPP and blue core and a couple of these other types. And just understand the plans, even if they say blue core or EPP or EPO or Depron, the plans are the same. You can use anything, (laughs) you know, just cut it out. It it doesn't have to be just because it's a blue core plan. doesn't have to be blue core if it's not available. Right. Dollar tree for uh, for, for a buck is this is great. Yeah, that stuff will work great. Just peel the paper off of it. Uh, the best way to do that is to uh, throw it in your pool. Well, for us, we okay, throw it in a pool. pool. And a pond. A pond would be good for you. <laughs> Put it in your bathtub. Just get it wet. Let it sit there for a second. The foam really doesn't absorb any water, uh, but the paper does, and then the paper will peel right off. And then you have an actual thinner sheet of Depron 
that's what's on the inside of that thing. I don't know what they're going to do if they no longer use Depron because that's kind of what that is. But maybe they'll switch to a tighter cell phone. Well, I'm going to have to disagree with you on the water thing. Back when we first started, we had to do that because we had to have a plane as light as possible. But now that there's so many brushless motors out there and they're inexpensive, you can leave the paper on. You don't have to tear the paper off if you don't want to. Yeah, I did. I did. I left the paper on. But at the same time, the the model was just really, really heavy. And uh, had I taken the paper off and just braced it in the right places, it, it would have been... It would have flown so much better. It flew great. It just felt very heavy for the little bitty motor that I had on it. I think if I had upscaled the motor or maybe the prop, would have flown better. Right. Well, once again, I'm I'm not totally disagreeing with you, but for most of the guys nowadays, they're using hot glue. They're using they're they're keeping the paper on and maybe just a bigger motor than we used to. Uh, but I have to agree to you. It kind of rates me to not take the paper off and like i said i'm not a big user of hot glue so i kind of cringe when i see when they're assembling planes and they're using hot glue guns and they're just zipping they're slapping glue everywhere i kind of cringe and i'm like that's adding weight that's adding weight just because of the way you and i were raised in the hobby so everything has to be lightweight yeah if it's not if it's not lightweight it has to have a bigger motor which adds weight. Oh, well, always. And then, always. And then you have to have a bigger battery. And then you have to have a bigger prop. And then it just kind of stacks on. So there's there's a fine line. And we'll, we'll, we'll jump into a podcast with batteries and motors and the pairings that you need for that for these airplanes. But uh, the heavier the airplane, the harder it is for it to, to sustain a, a nice floaty uh, flight. And that's what I like for beginner trainer airplanes. I like it to be a floaty type airplane where if you pull the power to idle, it's not coming down to the ground. It's actually just kind of riding on the wind. It just kind of glides around. You don't really need the motor because, like I said, there's the guys that fly wide open throttle or no throttle at all. Uh, there's no in between. And there should be. You should fly at about 50% throttle or less and try to control it. You don't need to go wide out all the time. I mean, just wide open all the time is not a good thing so once again we're looking to get a glide not a control fall <laughs> to the ground <laughs> that's correct you're, you're looking to pursue you're looking to preserve your investment you've spent some money on this thing you don't want to go out there and crash the first day so uh wide open throttle will get it up two or three mistakes high so get it up uh you know high enough that if something happened you got upside down or it something didn't go right you can Pull the power off, pull the power to idle, I guess, or or just pull the stick to the, the bottom, and then let it glide. It just let it, the wings kind of get the wings level, and then glide it around, and then slowly come in with the power again and see how slow you can fly it. And those are things, too, that uh, coming from the piloting world, I'll tell you that aerodynamics don't change. <laughs> well, I know we didn't mention it in this particular episode, but um, once again... Having a flight simulator can really help save your butt, and it's a great learning tool. Absolutely. The nice part about it is you can go out there and you can fly, um, you know, how, like a plane stalling, and then you can go back and practice that. Or once you start getting into crosswind landings or 
any other kind of advanced maneuvers. The great thing about it is that you can try it out at the field. If it doesn't quite work, you can come on the simulator and spend two hours getting stick time practicing that maneuver. Yeah, that's true. It uh, Any maneuver that you do that you can practice on the simulator will actually be mirrored out at the park. No, absolutely. Um, I, I'll say that's one thing I noticed about your flying, that that's one thing that really propelled your experience in flying abilities was how much stick time you put into flying in the sim. I think the simulator is a valuable tool. It should be in your, um, your repertoire of uh, park flyers. Like I said, I'm a real flight fan, and uh, I, I think it's the best choice out there. So if you don't have one, look at it for a Christmas gift. Christmas is around the corner, I think, a month or two. Actually, next month, right? Next month? Next month. I think so. Yeah. So They have a new one that's coming out, but uh, be careful with the new one because it requires an upgrade on your video card. So a lot of power guys are thinking needs power. <laughs> yeah, they think it'll run, and it won't. So. Uh, but 7.5, it's an awesome, uh, awesome simulator. And not only does it do simulation, but you can play games with it. You can fly with your friends, uh, doing formation flying or flying at the same field. Uh, there's games to play. It's great. Night flying, day flying, quads, planes, historical planes, gliders, slope flying, the whole gamut. The lawnmower. The lawnmower. Yeah, that's a, that was the best one. I used to always love to fly the lawnmower. Uh, that was pretty fun. Well, uh, can you think of any other trainers that uh, you want to talk about? You know what? I think I'm trainered out. Yeah. We only touched the surface, though. I mean, you can jump on the Internet. You can find a whole bunch. But I think we've kind of given you a good start. Just the looking around and, and doing a little research. That's really what we do. But uh, it's important to make sure that you... Do some research and, and find the airplane that you like, that you're going to have fun with, that's easily repairable, and that comes with pretty much everything you need to get started in the hobby. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're going to talk about in some future podcasts are going to be things like what radios maybe you should get afterwards or as you get by batteries for your, your flying experience. We'll expand upon that in some future episodes. Yeah, it works good for me, so... Well, I uh, appreciate you uh, spending time with me tonight, Jay, and uh, hopefully we'll see you on the next podcast. You certainly will. Well, folks, thanks for joining us tonight on the Park Flyer Podcast. From Arizona, I'm Mike. And I'm Jay from the AK. <laughs> Looking forward to talking to you again. We'll see you next time. Good night. You have been listening to the Park Flyer Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to your next visit. Please give our show a star rating and review, and feel free to email us your questions, topics, or suggestions to parkflyerpodcast at gmail.com.